Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with your good pal, Jamesy. And you're a not-so-good pal. I have to be the bad cop today? You're bad cop. No, I think you're going to be good cop today. Super, super duper pal. Not that good a cop. And you're really, really good pal, Brando. Brando, this week, we have some sad news to talk about. Go on. The Scuba World has lost a, a few few these last couple of weeks, last couple of months. And uh, one in particular that we need to get to that we, we've talked about in the past I've had the pleasure of personally meeting and talking with in the past. And uh, back in the early, early days of Great Dive Podcast, when we were going through the early days of the whole deep air, we did that big four-parter on the the quest for the deep air record. I, I did get a chance to uh, talk and, and learn a lot you know, uh, from good old Brett Gilliam, who's kind enough to return my email with a phone call and uh, chat with me for about an hour on the phone. And yes, on uh, the 8th of October, we lost one of the classic scuba characters, because I would definitely call Brett Gilliam a character. Character doesn't do him justice, probably, even. He's uh... a bit of a legend. I mean, he was one of the guys for me that was huge when I was getting into tech diving. He was one of the big go-to guys. Well, because back in the day, he was kind of a figurehead. He was he was uh, he was writing articles. He was doing crazy big dives. He was starting a very charismatic. (laughs) You know, he was always in the limelight. I mean, and, and doing it, he was like the diver's diver. You know, barefoot t-shirt you know if he didn't have a scuba tank on his back he definitely had a uh, cocktail in a hand and and probably uh smoking something <laughs> in his, other, in his, in his <laughs> other hand you know and probably a, a lady or two in his arms well yeah he's living that um that diver lifestyle that may or may not have attracted <laughs> a whole lot of people into into our community if you will but yeah it was the epitome he was the epitome he was uh definitely a uh archetype oh for sure i mean when uh when you think of like all of the, the, the possibilities of how you could end up if you became a dive shop owner because i know everybody that takes a scuba job that hates their goddamn nine to five <laughs> Miserable that life, dive right? anymore. and they, they yeah. dream of be, they dream of wanting to be a dive shop owner, and they think of the glory. Oh. Well, you could be, you know, the uh, dive shop owner that also hates his life and wishes <laughs> he could get into something else, but he's stuck in scuba because it's the only goddamn thing he knows. Or you could be, you know, Brett Gilliam who started a dive shop and went on to become a multi-millionaire that had his hands in almost every single aspect of scuba that there was to have yeah yeah i mean uh from consulting with the navy working with the navy and special teams and the cutting edge of the tech revolution if you want to call it a revolution but the tech movement of course he wasn't afraid to just do his own thing and say what was on his mind either right right i mean he was you know a uh, uh, trainer for for agencies but started his own agencies as well 
um, had dive shops, dive boats, uh, the, the biggest ocean vessel cruise liner, cruising the Caribbean, that uh, big Ocean Quest boat. He was a, you know, in the, the film business from way back in the 70s, you know, uh, uh, worked, you know, on a lot of films back in the day, including a, a X-rated pornographic film that kind of got his early start. Scuba porn is uh, one of the largest growing segments of porn, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say. What what do they say? There's if 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 you can think of it, there's porn for it, right? What is that called? The uh, there's some rule yeah, for that. I have to look that up on the old internet. <laughs> it's an internet rule. Be careful! It's a slippery slope. It is, I'm sure. Oh, rule thirty four. I'm gonna text you six hours from now. You're, you're gonna have gone down a rabbit hole of rule thirty four. It's an internet meme which claims that. Internet pornography exists concerning every possible topic. I wonder if there's a podcasting porn. <laughs> I'm sure there is. According to Rule 34, there is. You know what kind of porn I definitely know that there is? Uh-oh. Fresh ball fall porn, That's everybody. The porn there is. <laughs> That's because fresh ball fall is here, and you, everybody, should be getting into your festive spirit. So light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure that your balls look nice, just in case, you know, uh, your significant other, other wants to do a little bit of podcast listening pornography with you later today. Uh, with the help of today's show sponsor, you got it, Manscaped. Not only can they help with your podcasting pornography, they can also help you look clean and fresh for your next dive. Now that it's wintertime, everybody's getting back into their dry suits. You know you got to put on that condom catheter. Make sure old Captain One-Eye is nice and clean, ready for that sticky condom catheter. You don't want to be pulling out any hairs. Nature may clear the leaves of their trees, everybody, but you're going to need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that good old dry suit weather. Get your little dry suit undergarment pants puppies prepared for a good old dry suit season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze. By going to manscaped.com using our code TGDP, 20% off and free shipping. Brando, I know uh, you love wearing those uh, flannel socks, flannel underwear. <laughs> and although that might keep you warm, you can't forget, you got to trim your balls. Well, goes nowadays it goes without saying, you just, you got to do it. Now, I know you're a big fan of that Performance Package 4.0 with your lawnmower 4.0 trimmer and its advanced skin-safe technology that reduces all those nicks and cuts that you used to get all the time. Remember, you constantly used to show me all the scars, <laughs> the, the battle wounds that you had. Now, I don't even have to worry about looking at you down there. I just get into my dry suit. You don't have a story to tell because you're so clean and fresh. Well, maybe some people are getting the wrong idea about us here. It's called Dive Buddy <laughs> for a reason. We're both happily married. That's right, everybody. Bring in Fall Right and get 20% off for free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com using our code TGDP. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Brando, 
I thought we'd uh, take a bit of time and kind of celebrate something to celebrate old uh, Brett Gilliam with. I, you know, as much as he was a, a legend, he was a, a bit of a, the, the growing antithesis on a lot of uh, the old ways of of tech diving, which was kind of like that that wild wild west days, you know. And, and he was, you know, the the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> in those days, you know, of of diving deep, deep, deep air, yeah. and uh, just the old cowboy way of of just brawn and balls more so than uh, a really a, a scalable educational model that you could present to people. You know, starting an agency that specialized in tech diving, mostly because everybody else was just going so conservatively against diving deep but compared to what we do nowadays and how deep diving you know beyond the recreational limits is presented today it's you know the early days of of tdi and the early days of deep air and advanced nitrox were completely different than how the game's presented today for the most part yeah, I, I'd like to think we've we've kind of blended both approaches a little bit because I I think there's a need for both. I mean, you have one that's very strictly uh, oriented on uh, the technical details and the safety aspect of it, and then there's another end of the spectrum which is uh, more more of the cowboy, <laughs> right? The uh, like uh, you got to have some balls, and you got to try it. You got to try new things and and move forward on the right. Uh, frontier. And if you it, right, and, and in those early days, the in, in the nineties when you know diving to two hundred plus feet on air was a thing. It was if you couldn't do it, it's because you sucked and uh, you didn't have enough experience yet. You know, I can do it, but clearly you can't do it because you're because you're not good enough. <laughs> well, I don't know if they came right out and said not good enough. They just said, you, I can do it because I can and you can't because you can't. You're not me, I guess. So maybe there is a little <laughs> aspect of you're not good enough. But yeah, that that approach, like they've been doing it for so long and you guys shouldn't try this. It's only we can do it. That was definitely... Uh, Brett and his partner Joe Odom's approach to diving deep on air, right? And uh, right, and in, in many ways, it was like uh, the dangling of of the the deep diving carrot in a way, because there wasn't a, a a really. I mean, there were programs for deep air diving, yeah, that, that multiple people had, but they were all. You're gonna get fucked up. You're gonna get <laughs> on yeah, narcosis to your out of your gourd kind of thing, you know, uh, out of your gourd. And then there's a couple of people that, you know that are that are able to, you know, sustain it a, a little bit longer than others. Right. And uh, if you're not, it's just because well, you might not be cut out for this. <laughs> it's not very inclusive, James, <laughs> where, in today's is, world. Where, right right whereas today like we look at it like okay like if you want to go to two three hundred and nowadays i mean with with the technology nowadays i mean a 400 foot dive is not uncommon anymore but it's not done with air 
No, no, it's done on not right? even done it, on it's, open it's circuit done, scuba. So. Yeah, it's done on on mix, and everything's scaled back from there right. to the point of we're realizing that oh, two hundred feet on air is not even in the the game anymore. We got we got to be way shallower than that if you want a system that people can truly scale from beginning to end and move consistently success after success after success with the buildup of more training and more experience yeah i mean technology is you know leveled the playing field as far as allowing uh you know almost anybody with enough money to to go down to 400 feet you know at least back in the day i mean there's something to be said about the need for uh balls if you will guts whatever well, you want right. to be called balls and experience right. I'll, I'll give them that like those early days i mean that was brett's that that's how i would categorize brett was he was the the balls and brawn and i know that offends a lot of people this this sensitive slash overly sensitive uh, culture we live in these days but that's maybe why i like him a lot <laughs> he uh <laughs> did things when nobody else had the cojones to do them Right. I mean, and rightfully so, you're going to like him because he's a he's an extremely likable yeah. guy. I mean, if I had to pick of of who I wanted to go cavorting around the Caribbean with on a dive boat, uh, he's going to be on the top of my you know, my list of like fact, you know, you know fictional uh, fictional factual past and present, <laughs> you know, top top 5 guys you want to like travel travel the world, you know, diving and partying with. Oh, Brett's going to be in there because you know he's going to show you where the party's at. You know he's going to have a table of good-looking babes, you know, sitting there <laughs> having dinner with us. This has got to be the most sexist <laughs> podcast. Yes, beautiful women, the ballsy gutsy diving that was that's why i got into diving i mean i was like you remember what sea hunt was on tv you you remember the uh james bond movies all that stuff yeah was it an honest image i don't know i don't know i'd like to think it's semi-honest at least and according to brett and his antics it pretty much portrayed diving world that he wanted (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, I look at the way like you and I calculate, okay, we're going to go do a dive in 200 feet of water today. Uh, It's so that we're super mentally aware. We're sharp. We're getting out of the water clean. It's calculated so that we can, in our minds, we can have as much fun doing it as possible so that we don't have all these, you know, phantoms lurking in our subconscious the whole time we're trying to uh, accomplish this dive. I'll give him some credit of just not giving a goddamn and just, you know, we don't have all the equipment we need. I'll just, you know, duct tape this aluminum 80, you know, (laughs) to my waist and uh, just go for it. I don't give a shit. Like in in many ways that that was like his mentality, like a, a don't give a goddamn attitude, that you kind of gotta respect a lot in the early and it is a bit of like what you see is like the quintessential adventurous diver of the mentality, like the diver's diver back in the day, which is not the diver's diver today. Like today, the deep diving technical diver that's gonna do an extreme dive. 
he's got $50,000 worth of equipment on him. When Brett did his world record deep dive to 430 feet on air, he had an aluminum yeah. 80, one aluminum 80 with air and a 1970-something techno regulator, I think. Just an old, what you and I would look at as just an old piece of shit. It, it was laying in the bottom of the milk crate. You know, it was the first one to fall out when he dumped it upside down. He threw it on the tank and said, let's go set a world record, kind of. You know, it's a totally different character of person getting in the water. Well, I think he epitomizes confidence right there. That's, I mean, he's relying on his confidence and his abilities. And, you know, to a certain degree, his knowledge of what he's done and what he can do. Um, I'm sure he was pushing himself to his edge of the envelope, but... um. And he took a lot of crap, and he still takes crap for all that, what he said, what he did, you know. And to a certain degree, you got to agree, he should take some crap because there's two ways to, you know, this is a double-edged sword. Was he irresponsible yeah, being yeah. a spokesperson for the industry and community and then jumping into 400 feet on air where the, the PPO2 is approaching 3.0? You know, it's like, wait a minute, man. Right, right. No doubt about it. I mean, he was a. <sighs> it's a conundrum. It's an enigma. Uh, it, it is in a conundrum a because he was a. a he's a bit mark. of a. <laughs> he's a bit of a long time proponent of narcosis. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I guess that's even wrong to say because it's not like he really came out and said, I'm pro narcosis. But at the same time, he, he was. To, though. Uh, he, he was doing it and he was kind of writing the step-by-step book right. of nitrogen narcosis is bad but if you want to do it here's a step-by-step guide of how to how to get really really narked on your dives so today i want to um kind of talk about the good side of the man kind of the glory side of the man i found this really cool article called the man with the golden sub and it's about old Brett Gilliam. And it's about his golden Rolex Submariner. Yeah. Is it Man with the Golden Sub? <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, any any diver knows that, uh, you know, the, the Rolex Submariner, I mean, if there is, like, An iconic the, the dive watch, watch yeah. to have the most, uh, you know, the most dive watchy of dive yeah, watches iconic. it is it's definitely it's the yeah. submariner i mean it's it's a dream watch for me and it's strictly a dream because there's no way i'm buying a twenty thousand dollar watch <laughs> now if you're brett gilliam and you're, and you're worth five million you know you can have one but in all fairness you know he you know Probably won his in a poker game. Or it was given in, to uh, him as a, some kind of accolades. In, down in the Virgin yeah. Islands back in 1970. Out of the thousands of dives with his 1680 Submariner, it was one in 2012 filming sharks off of Guadalupe Island in the Mexican Pacific that would leave a noticeable mark on his watch. At that point, Brett Gilliam had logged nearly 17,000 dives around the world, most of them wearing that watch. 
Although this particular dive was challenging in the way photographing 16-foot-long apex predators of the sea while submerged in an aluminum cage, operating a technically complex underwater camera is challenging. He had done it many times before. So Isla Guadalupe, which, you know, remember they, they recently shut diving down to just because so many people were visiting in the the... the ecological shape of the great white sharks there was shifting well you you can't you can't do what we're doing and not have an impact on it of course you can't do anything without having an impact on it so it's the way of the world what are we going to do lock ourselves in a safe don't interact with the world it's going to cause an impact on the environment no fucking fake no fucking fake listen we're if you want to dive with great whites in the future, you're going to have to zoom with them. No, you're going to do it on a meta. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking uh, goddamn 3D virtual headset. And that, that's going to be, well, that that's the future of diving, my friends. That's where you're pushing it with all the stupid-ass safety bullshit. I think, I think if Brett were here, he'd be on my side with this. See now, see now, you're defending that old. I would. I old, did the defend epitome it. I, of the old. I class. did defend it before because I admire. I admire uh, ballsy people that. Show me your Rolex right now. <laughs> I see. I. No, I. Uh, you got your dive knife strapped to your leg. Exactly. Exactly. A single tank. It's a eight o'clock in the morning. You got a, on my back. It's eight o'clock in the morning. You got a Rolex on. You got a dive knife on your That's leg. How I roll through the house, man. You never know what you're going to find. You're go- going to encounter. You never know what you're going to encounter. But, um, yeah, I admire that to, to a great degree. I mean, it's got to be balanced and tempered with, with brains and caution. And I mean, there's just so many factors now. you got to think. You can analyze your, you know, it's analysis into paralysis because you can keep, uh, where do you balance this, this decision-making process? And that's always been, James, with every aspect of diving, pushing technical diving, pushing uh, the limits of cave diving, the limits of deep diving. You're always uh, going to uh, run into elements of A, unknown, B, you're going to have to take risk, high risk sometimes. And we wouldn't be where we're yeah, at without those people. As, as much as I, I agree with you, I really do. You know, the, as much as. We sit there and, and, and try to make diving as safe as, as safe as possible. There is always that you, you have to have that respect of the fact that you're doing something totally dangerous. Boy, totally dangerous. Dude. And at any moment, <laughs> it, you, you, it could all go to hell in, in the reality of the game. Well, yeah, and that's the uh, part of the beauty of diving. I mean, diving isn't isn't a sport in the sense of competition with other people, but it's a sport in the sense of you're competing mentally with yourself, pushing your own limits, and that, and that's why you do have to do things that have some kind of risk. So there's a consequence to your uh, ineffectiveness or your uh, not-so-goodness, your ineptitude, <laughs> right? There's a consequence. If there's no consequences, what's the... 
fucking big deal about it you know it's like sure agreed and, and this is where I, I, I again we we go back and i'm sure you agree that I, I this is the part about brett that i respect the the the, the fact that you have to be willing to take responsibility mm-hmm. for it for yourself you know you there's a difference with today to walk into a dive shop and want to take a scuba class because you already saw you know the the 300 foot deep dive on on facebook and that's your quest and you're going to get from open water to advanced trimix rebreather in less than a year and really and really have zero artistry deep within your soul of being underwater and the respect for it because you've had technology take you there so fast Versus what 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 classically him you know you know ten fifteen thousand dives in you know you you build like a, almost a, uh, a a a a home underwater that you that you can have that peace with versus completely relying on the technology right I mean it's uh it's an adaptation it's an actual uh investment in work and investment obviously in in money but when you have that much invested in it that becomes much more valuable versus going in like you say and going from open water to fucking advanced trimix breather diver doing 400 foot dives in a year and a half and with with the minimal amount of diving under your belt yeah that's your reliance on technology is making up for any possible stupidity on your part and then I don't even want to call it, I should say ineptitude is the right word. Because, again, I think uh, gaining that skill level and that confidence level takes hard work and it takes a, a lot of pushing yourself. I would agree. You know, it's it's demeaning in many ways when uh, you look at... It's demeaning in a lot you know, of, in it, almost every way when you see people do what I just mentioned, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, Brett Gilliam would be toasting us on I hope that topic. So, yeah, yeah, I hope so because it is a, a hats off to him for you know having the hootspot or whatever you want to call it, the, that special uh, which we're losing in society. The the je ne sais quoi. We're losing that in society because you know if all you do is yell safety, 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 we enact laws over safety, we enact. We make people do all kinds of stupid shit over safety, and the world is getting dumber and dumber and less fucking dangerous in the sense of people have no consequences to their stupid actions anymore. There's my that's my fucking uh, rant, and you know as we as we enter this path of like why you you got one end of the spectrum with Brett doing an extremely by today's standards for sure would be classified as a dangerous dive. I think asinine. asinine yeah, is I was going to try is to, the word that comes up. But so you have that end of the spectrum and then you have the other end of the spectrum spectrum which is, you know, all this fucking safety 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 bullshit to to we're into this, you know, you basically walk out of your house with fucking duct tape pillows and an air bubble around you so you you don't get your knee scraped if you trip you know that's the other end of the spectrum and that's where we're kind of we've ended up in the dive world well yeah yeah because 
it's still possible with all the the, the bubble and the uh, you know that the bubble could deflate and the the duct tape could <laughs> fall off and you could still fall down and scrape your but knee. But not if we make a right? law that says it, you it, have to use a certain duct tape and the bubble has to you know we we have to make it a law too. That's the other side of all this nonsense. But the other side of the diving there is the you know let technology take you from zero to hero with the minimum amount of training and experience and and divers find themselves and you know pushing past 200 feet 300 feet on a rebreather that their instructor probably barely understood himself yeah and and probably that that same diver you know they lost their mask at 60 feet would have an issue you know what I mean? Or yes, a gas that's share. That's exactly what I mean. They'd have an issue. So, Right. But they're banking on, I just spent $20,000 on, you know, the training and the purchase of this device so that I won't have to worry right. about needing to share gas. Right. I've got 50 open circuit dives, so I'm good. I know what I'm doing. But this time, Brando... The shark Brett was filming had taken a special interest in old Brett Gilliam. Recounting the experience, Gilliam tells me, the uh, the author here, that while his eyes were trained on the viewfinder of his camera, the massive great white suddenly turned and bit the cage right next to him and then went into a bit of a rage and started thrashing around and trying to get me, Brett said. (laughs) He's trying to get me. Brett says, I pulled my camera back and dropped back into the cage, but not before the shark violently impacted the cage again and left my and my left arm was knocked sharply into the bars, causing a chip in the Rolex's bezel. Are you serious? Is that covered under Rolex's lifetime warranty? <laughs> if well, if a shark attack Results in a chip in the bezel. You're completely covered. We'll, we'll replace yeah. it for free. Well, this wasn't any old Submariner. Brett Gilliam's dive watch is a reference 1680 made of 18 karat solid gold with a black bezel and a matte black nipple dial. The 1680 was the first Submariner reference to ever be fashioned in solid gold, a metal that's typically reserved for dress watches. A gold Rolex, even a Submariner, is often considered a success symbol rather than a true tool watch. But Gilliam had never paid much attention to rules anyway. <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as we know and as we've been learning along the way. And I think uh, we're going to have fun going back over the next couple of episodes and kind of looking right at some of his rules and uh, lack thereof but today we're going to celebrate the man as we should definitely a character definitely a a bright spot in the um, world of diving as far as personality goes for sure and and his accomplishments for that matter you know he was a self-made millionaire by his mid-30s dive shop owner resort owner owned liverboards cruise ships uh, he was in publishing. He was in film. Uh, he owned training agencies. He was a 
U.S. Coast Guard Merchant Marine Master. He was a, a submer- deep submersible pilot, an aircraft pilot. Uh, he was a recompression chamber supervisor. I mean, he's, he's really like a, a, a living legend in the scuba diving community, no doubt about it. He was inducted into the Scuba Diving Hall of Fame in two, uh, 2012. And uh, still into his 70s, uh, when, when, this, uh, when this article was written, he says that uh, he was 69 at the time, still active, serving as an expert witness in diving in maritime cases, which is what he was doing a lot of back uh, yeah. you know, when I talked to yeah. him, you know, back when we were, start, were doing that deep air stuff. You know, uh, he spent a lot of time working on both ends, you know, for uh, prosecution and defense in many times on both both sides of the courthouse. Right, right. I remember. Um, Professional witness. Professional witness. But uh, this guy, Cole Pennington, when he wrote this article, said that uh, he spent hours on the phone with Gilliam discussing the evolution of the industry from mid-century era until present day. There are a few pioneers left who have seen scuba diving evolve the way that he has. He has a wealth of knowledge, and he shares it with the sort of enthusiasm that's almost unexpected from someone who has been in an industry for over half a century. He hasn't been jaded by his unique position. And that's kind of an interesting thing that, He did have the enthusiasm, but it's because he was extremely financially successful. Too. Well, that's gonna that's gonna uh, <laughs> you know, if, give you a certain <laughs> level of enthusiasm, you know, to make more. When you money. got out of the navy <laughs> and you opened up your little shack of a dive shop in the Virgin Islands, and it was a a, a flop within eighteen months, and, and you, you had to, uh, you know, go to a cubicle and type on a keyboard for the for the next 20 years you'd have a different perspective of things you know well yeah you'd have an extremely different perspective yeah but you know he went on to a lot of really great success you know from uh you know working on a nuclear sub when he was in the navy to after his dive shop having having a uh, uh a publishing business uh luxury yacht charter company down there in the virgin islands uh he, he sold that it made tons of money uh you know he got recruited for that big ship the uh ocean quest ship which was a a 500 foot diving cruise ship like unlike anything he'd seen before you know like a, a dive operation of having you know 200 200 divers diving off of one boat, you know, with, with a bunch of little little dive boats to, to go out to different places, you know, I mean, a, a major, major operation to, you know, later, you know, forming TDI. Uh, he was the president and CEO of Uvatech, uh, Deep Tech Magazine. You know, he's been published in all kinds of magazines, like, Vogue and Outside and Playboy, National Geographic, Wired, Sports Illustrated, Lifetime, you know, I mean, all kinds of art. He was definitely a, a, an article writing machine for many, many years. 
uh, founded like one of the coolest old magazines that, that I really love. That Fathoms magazine was a really beautiful magazine back in the day. Just a, a you know a total scuba diving pioneer. And old Cole says that Brett Gilliam's father was a Navy officer, so a life aquatic was second nature to him. He started diving in 1959 at age eight when diving technology was still in its infancy. Gilliam has performed dives in a military capacity, doing deep diving projects for the Navy in the 1970s. He satisfied his ROTC obligations after his collegiate studies by working for the Navy filming fast attack submarines at depths around 525 feet. The project assessed what sort of visible wake vortex was left by these submarines. The dives were carried out using the Navy's exceptional exposure tables, a set of tables used in extreme circumstances. And when we look at old Brett, he is one of the classics. The sad, the sad thing to, to know, Brando, the realization I'm having is, you know, you and I are in the generation of, like, we're pretty close to being the, uh, the the torch carriers for the past. I mean, I mean, Brett is of that generation right before us that really led the way through all those days that you and I were lucky enough, you know, to, to be part of this community back in, in its infancy, which was the nineties when the, when the tech diving infancy really began and really began to grow, you know, he, you know, Brett was the very early infancy of scuba all the way into up until today. Which is why I like doing what we're doing here today is, is we're, we're kind of sharing the past, blending it with the present for, for all the new kids out there that are scrolling right past our old asses <laughs> on Instagram and moving to somebody cooler with, with better looking pictures. Yeah, well, I mean, who who posts ten times a day? The 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 downside of social media, if you ask me, it's a it's a little bit of a overdose on input, uh, of which you know I'd say ninety eight percent is useless. <laughs> useless is time wasting. But yeah, we are very fortunate, and um, it gives us a wide range of uh, experience to draw from when commenting on, on this kind of stuff. So we remember that. I think he's most noted for that, don't you, for doing his deep air world record dive on a single tank. I think Absolutely. that's his I mean, that, that, biggest, that's... like, when you say Brett Gilliam, that's what pops in most divers who know Brett Gilliam's, you know, that's what pops in their mind. Yes, the, even though it was, uh, the record was beat. Yeah afterwards but it, the publicity around him at the time achieving that record was massive in the and dive community yeah that'll be the main thing that he'll always be remembered of you know 20 30 years from now you know when we're rolling around uh in wheelchairs uh, you know hopefully, hopefully and, not. yeah and the kids are talking and we go oh you remember brett gilliam the first thing out of everybody's mouths will be he was the guy that set that deep air wreck. <laughs> well, he also came about doing that at the at the very same time, or really close to that same time, was the you know the antithesis of the deep air pure balls approach to diving. The antithesis would be that the DIR method, and that those were the two factions that were colliding. 
you know they were they were warring they were, warring. The they were absolutely they were, they were israel and hamas <laughs> <laughs> way, way to, to bring in bring it up to the, <laughs> way to, now everybody knows exactly what you mean about exactly. dir and deep air because it, it was it that was the battle that was the war and and hopefully like we'll we'll get a chance here over the next couple of weeks to to get into some of those articles and the birth of the internet again and and when uh, everybody was warring and fighting you know via keyboard well that was the birth of the keyboard about this very stuff in the, in the dive community anyway you know that there's another rule right there of internet diving is. Your posts are usually inversely related to the number of dives you, you have. That's how I look at scuba board posts for the most part. I learned that. Or, uh, or scuba Instagrams and TikToks. <laughs> the, 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 more you, the bigger your feed is, the, the less yeah. diving you're doing. Is that well, you saying? have to. I mean, you got to think about it. If somebody's spending their day on the fucking uh, social media, they're not underwater. Well, you could do one dive and split it into again. Like there are only one dive, a hundred, a hundred yes, posts. There are only one, and then that's exactly it: one dive and a hundred posts. Versus, you got guys who who've got a hundred dives in one post, or the real divers who just say, "I abstain from that nonsense because it it sucks too much time out of my life, and I'd rather spend that time underwater, blowing bubbles, or not, or blowing, not bubbles blowing bubbles today. in there." for the rebreathers these days we have to there's bubble blowers and non-bubble it's another another divisive aspect of this world we live in thanks to technology electric cars gas cars bubble blowers rebreathers after his service gilliam went on to dive in a number of roles including commercial scientific research technical and filming purposes he served as a consultant coordinating underwater cinematography on a number of Hollywood movies, including Dreams of Gold and The Island of Dr. Moreau. He's even appeared in a few. His outsized reputation in the dive world comes not only from his accomplishments underwater, but also his entrepreneurial spirit topside. He's founded a number of companies, including Technical Diving International, a certification agency, and he served as the president and CEO of Uatech, a company that produced dive computers. And for most of his career, he's worn a Rolex Submariner. But it wasn't always a gold one. He had to have one of those cheapo, regular stainless steel <laughs> with gold plating yeah those are only 15 yeah. grand nowadays those cheapies kmart special of rolexes you know they mentioned in here about uh the movie dreams of gold and uh the movie uh the island of dr moreau but we can't forget Pleasure Island in 1975 was the <laughs> was the X-rated yeah. film that <laughs> that Brett in in his early days was so apt to be part of the filmmaking crew underwater cinematography and water safety for the the ladies involved. <laughs> in 1973, Gilliam founded. Virgin Island Divers Limited, a diving operation that attracted recreational divers and supported research divers in the Virgin Islands. 
Part of the business was retailing Scuba Pro equipment, including watches. In the 1970s, Scuba Pro contracted Swiss manufacturers to produce timepieces for them, lending their branding to the dial and the case back. Gilliam wore a Scuba Pro Benthos 500 dive watch as he was an authorized dealer from 71 to 85. In 1974, he bought a stainless steel Rolex Submariner that he wore daily, both underwater and topside. Gilliam said the watch was waterproof, and he could have easily worn that watch for the rest of his life. But in 1970, Skin Diver magazine ran a piece that stuck with Gilliam. It chronicled a mission that Dick Anderson, an early pioneer of scuba designs and a legendary diver in his own right, took on. Anderson supplied his own gold to Rolex and requested that they produce a watch from it. A ludicrous idea, but eventually Rolex capitulated and Anderson made the watch for him. The watch he wanted, a solid gold Rolex. When René Genaret, the sales director of Rolex at the time, presented Anderson with the watch, he told him, I don't want it. Just don't be afraid <laughs> to take it diving. <laughs> Okay. It's a dive watch. You shouldn't be afraid. Yes, to take and there's a. You shouldn't be afraid to take it diving, even though it's pure gold. solid gold. Dive the hell out of this thing. That's how uh, well they were saying it's made. And there's a there's an article in the uh, 1970 uh, October issue of Skin Diver about the uh, the solid gold Rol- Rolex uh, by. Dick Anderson. And one day in 1980, Gilliam got a phone call from Rolex with an offer he couldn't refuse. He says, I was contracted to provide filming and on-camera commentary for a nationally televised documentary special on humpback whales. Rolex got in touch with me and asked if I would wear a gold Rolex Submariner in the film. And the best part Gilliam uh, remembers... Rolex would offer him a very steep discount on the watch. (laughs) (laughs) After we're done filming, you can buy it for the the small fee. He said he purchased it from Little Switzerland, a Rolex uh, distributor four blocks down from his Virgin Islands Divers headquarters in St. Croix. The purchase was... $6,500, which Gilliam says was more than he paid for the first boat he had in his diving business. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. 1980, $6,500. I mean, I remember back in the day, like at the dive shop, you know, as as a kid in the early 90s, you know, all all the the dive instructors were wearing one of two watches the Tag Heuer, which was a, a real pretty dive watch. And then the Zodiac Super Seawolf, which I, I still want badly to this day. <laughs> I, I would love, I, I, I'd love to get my uh, wrist wrapped with a nice Zodiac Super Seawolf. The Rolex, even back then, was just like, like who's going to spend? What, I what think even more goddamn, so. What goddamn dive instructor can afford a $10,000? Yeah, even more so than today because now there's competitors, you know, to Rolex, you know. Right, right. Which is why, yes, it, it was always seen as a status. It's iconic, man. 
Yeah. More, more than a functional piece of diving right equipment. i mean it, it was iconic and i i, re- I can remember and so in in 1990 when i went to commercial school uh i think there were maybe seven instructors there and i would say four out of seven had rolexes had that submariner rolex because it was a symbol you know that said i'm a diver i'm I'm not just a diver. Stand the fuck back. When I'm I a walk. big deal. Yeah, diver. when I walk through, at least I'm a diver with a lot of money. That, that's at least what it says. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right it did, and, and it still does, man. If you're if you're wearing a Rolex, yeah, yeah, it, it means it means something. He wore the watch just like he wore a stainless steel Submariner before that, and that is to say, he wasn't at all afraid to get it wet, and knock it around. Forget the foo foo imagery that typically comes with a gold watch. It's been through extreme deep dives below 800 feet. Saturation diving is my primary timepiece for celestial navigation as a maritime officer. Treatments in recompression chambers under ice in both the Arctic and Antarctic. Deep diving in submarines to over 12,000 foot depths. Just about everything, Gilliam had said. But yeah, I mean that's uh, it's like buying a Ferrari and actually, you know, I'm I'm run I'm gonna run out to the grocery store and I'm gonna I'm gonna park in the parking lot like not away from everybody. I'm just gonna park it right next to some clown and his right goddamn, right, to, right next to the you know, 1970s the Ford beat up pickup or whatever pickup. Yeah, right next to the cart. That's a very good one. The cart corral. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Which actually, in reality, is probably the safest place to put your Ferrari because nobody returns a goddamn cart. The watch was on his wrist during an event that would land Gilliam in the Guinness Book of World Records. Gilliam completed a series of record-breaking dives in 1990 and 1993 for the deepest dive breathing compressed air. On the 1990 dive, he reached 452 feet at Mary's Place in Roatan a Caribbean island, while remaining totally conscious with a Rolex on his wrist. When dive computers were still a relatively new tool, he would wear a diving computer on one wrist and a Rolex on the other. Stories tend to increase in value more than any other asset, but Gilliam's sub hasn't performed poorly at all. He reports that he gets Quote, constant offers from divers who want to buy it simply because it was mine, and I used it for over 40 years so far. The last offer I got was for $45,000 in January. <laughs> wonder who, who's got it now. I wonder who's got it now. I'm sure his uh, wife has it, and, you know, who knows what she'll do with it. Maybe she'll donate to Great Dive Podcast. Hey, if you're listening... We'll take really good. We would take really good care of it. We would. We'd we'll still dive it, though. Turns. We'd dive it. We'll, we'll take. We'll, we will. We'll dive the hell out. We'll take that. turns wearing it. For reference, a brand new solid gold Submariner. Reference one two six six one eight LN currently retails for thirty six thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. A brand new one, Randall. Nice. The idea of wearing a solid gold sub to carry out challenging and often precarious tasks underwater certainly defies traditional watch enthusiast thinking. But like René Genere said to Dick Anderson in 1970, one should not be afraid to take it diving. And Gilliam took that quite literally. And it turns out Genere wasn't bluffing. 
Gilliam says, the watch has never failed me. Gilliam has become quite successful through his business ventures. And given that the watch has been by his side through most of his entire diving career, it's worth more on an emotional level than any amount of money a collector could offer. When someone asks him about it, the answer is simple. He says, I'm keeping it. Gilliam says, uh, I have no family or kids, but my intent is to leave it to a dear friend that's a diver. He's younger and will probably outlive me. At least that's the plan, he says. His good friend, old James. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Like, uh, I, I remember, like, doing uh, some research, you know, into this here, uh, you know, finding this, you know, fun story to talk about old Brett's life. He says that the, the watch never failed him, but... I remember another story of when he was on that boat, his cruise liner, and they they were scouting out diving sites. He had this, uh, you know, a dive guide in Belize. They were bouncing around. They were going to just do you know, like a bunch of dives a day. And uh, Brett's talking about we'll do like, you know, uh, <laughs> a couple dives a day. <laughs> the, the dive guide's like three or four, and he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna like more four, eight, ten. 12 dives a day, and the guy's like, we, we, we can't do that many dives in, in a day. And he's like, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay shallow. We just drop down, get a get a feel for it, you know, uh, just start, you know, accounting all these places, you know, so we've got stuff to to, to present, you know, of, of where we're going to go for an itinerary on these dives. They jump in. He, like, hits his, hits his watch. The pin breaks, and the, 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 the watch goes plummeting. So Brett goes after it. And the, the dive guy is with him and sees him. Like, first dive of the day, they're going to do like eight, ten, you know, shallow dives. Dive one, Brett drops down to 300 feet. <laughs> Single 80 to go get his watch. Recovers it. Comes back up. And the dive guy's like, I, I thought we were saying shallow. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, just crazy stories, but I mean that's, I mean that's the kind of diver he was. I, I think you said it earlier best to describe him. Just whether it, it's in a good way or a bad way, it, it's a confidence that he right, had right. in himself. Which my only contention, I think, in the contention of a lot of others, it's it's a confidence that's not really a teachable confidence no. No, you know it's, it's it's a mm-hmm. character you know it, it, and you can't mm-hmm. sign up for a deep diving class with him mm-hmm. and get that confidence no you, you would a- actually be able to see that character trait which is not very it's not common uh that to that degree is not common and that's that's why you know you should tip your hat a little bit to him now you know yeah p- popping down to nearly 400 feet on a single 80 with and you leave your buddy <laughs> yeah by today by the way we dive there's no way we would we would you know condone that at all but. no no that's where like i i would uh be on the dive boat you know you, and uh with brett yeah, it'd be a great we- time uh but i'm gonna dive with you <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right we're gonna watch where brett, brett goes you do your you thing. Go have fun <laughs> and uh well, we'll all get back. 
definitely uh, I'm riding in the same uh, car with him to the yeah. pub because I, I know we're going to have a really, really good time, you know, celebrating the day of diving. But as far as when we're suiting up, I'd rather be in a in, in a dive team yeah. with somebody who's thinking like yeah. you and I. Well, and that's what I mean. I mean, he represents that one end of the spectrum that's getting squashed these days, and and maybe he's too far to that end. But but there are characteristics or aspects of that end of the spectrum, the confidence, the the guts, the you know that that kind of thing. That's something to be uh, not ignored and not admonished. You you should. Those aspects or those traits are to be, they're not common, so they should be admired in my, my point of view. Yeah, but, uh, you know, look, look where it got him. You know, made him a millionaire. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, no hanging risk, out no on uh, dive boats with, uh, with yeah. leading he, Hollywood he ladies. He lived a freaking life. Well, oh, do you yeah, want that life did. that, you know, at the end of it, you're, you're 75 and uh, I led a beautifully safe life. And, uh, well, good for you. You made it 75 or Brett 75. I led a beautifully, maybe not so safe life. I'll take Brad. I'll take Brad. That's me. And and, uh, and and not not even to the point of uh, not living it. Right. Like constantly going balls right. to the That's wall. Right. That's what I mean. That's every day. Not not hiding in. You know. Not yeah. not doing anything bad mm-hmm. or fun or wild like literally living every or single day the limits of of life to a certain degree let's figure out where the boundaries are well hey there you go everybody the man with the golden sub thanks to old uh, cole pentington for writing this article back in uh, 2020 um you can find it at hodinky.com H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E dot com. I don't I have no idea what Hodinkee is. <laughs> you don't want to know. I, I just, I was just looking Look up, up Brett uh, stories and came 34. across this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rule 34. Hodinkee uh, porn. Brett Gilliam. Yikes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we're, we're not going to do log books today, Brando, right? Because we're, we're going to stay talking about old uh, Brett for uh, for another couple of episodes, I think. Yeah, I like uh, I like the idea. A nice little tribute to a person who's added a lot to our world, our community. So Fantastic. All right, everybody. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, look back at old Brett Gilliam. Definitely a classic scuba diving legend. And we will talk to you once again next week. <laughs> I'm not going to even say damn Skippy. I'm going to, I got to come up with a new one, but we'll think of something. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blah, blah, blah.